Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. You feel good tonight? You sound good tonight. I want to pray for you, and we're going to go into, uh, we're going to continue in this series called Summer of Care. And uh, can I pray for you this evening? Amen. So I'm believing that over the next few moments, lives are going to be transformed. I believe over the next few moments that we are going to be impacted. We are going to be transformed, not by the words of a preacher, not by the lyrics of a song, but by the transformational change that happened to the world through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this evening, I believe, is going to be a paramount moment in your life. I want to pray for you, and we're going to jump into this word. Are you ready? Say yes. Oh, you sound good tonight. You sound hungry tonight. Are you ready? All right, let me pray. Father, I love you. And right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would just continue to have complete control of this service. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single heart that's broken. For anybody who's watching online because they just couldn't get out of bed this morning or couldn't go to work today and don't want to be maybe around others right now and they're walking through depression and anxiety and fear, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bring a work in us, that you would bring your peace, that you'd bring your joy. In the unstoppable, unconquered name of Jesus, I pray that we would encounter truth. And Jesus said, the truth will make you free. And so, God, let us run and not grow weary. Let us walk and not grow faint, my God. Let us be transformed by the eternal words of Jesus. You alone have the words of life. Change us forever for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank all of you for being with us here this evening. We are continuing in a series called Summer of Care. And I pray that you're impacted by the moments that we are about to experience this evening, as we just continue with it, last week, Pastor Kevin talked about Sabbath and how we need to remember that commandment, that time to rest. And when we take that time to be still and know that he is God, we take that time to just be in his presence, be with family, be in God's house. I really do believe that God honors that. And so you're human, uh, and I believe that you need to take a break. How many of you know of an infinite, unstoppable God said, hey, after all this work this week, I'm going to take a day to rest. So how are we going to consider or maybe conclude that us finite human beings with limited resources and power can go weeks and months and months without taking a Sabbath? And so I want to encourage you, go back and re-listen to that message from Pastor Kevin. It was powerful. And this evening, we're going to kind of go into another direction, a very heavy direction. And so this message I've wept over, this message I've prayed over, this moment I've been preparing for a long time, a few months when Pastor David told me the topic and the direction and the subject that we will be unpacking tonight. And I pray that you're impacted for the glory of God. I pray that you're transformed for the glory of God. I pray that not one of you walks out of here thinking, wow, what a great preacher. You'd walk out of here going, wow, what a great God because he heals and he sets people free. And so this evening, we're going to be talking about something that's so heavy and dear, and I want to just go into it right away. Are you ready? How many of you know life can get messy? Life can get messy. I'm a dad. I've got three boys, 
And my goodness, life can get messy. I don't know how it is or how they, how they do it, but anytime they eat everything, it's like, let me just try to make anything I'm eating into confetti and throw it all across the house. Every single corner of my house, how many of you have children and how many of you are still afraid to look in the back seat because there's little goldfish crackers all over the place, there's Cheerios, there's toys, there's boogers, there's everything disgusting and gross in the back seat because they're messy. Life is messy. And tonight we're going to be talking about the messes that God wants to clean up in our life. And I want to share this idea with you. And here's the point that I want to address this evening. A mess can multiply if it doesn't get cleaned up. Isn't that true? I wish the mess would just stay in one little compartment. I wish this chaos would just stay contained to the small little space. But it's true that a mess can multiply if it doesn't get cleaned up. Messes happen. And uh, we're going to show you this video real quick of a mess that some kids made in their house. And I want you to pay close attention to the mom, okay, that she's just going to appear on the screen in just a second. Let's go ahead and watch this. Girlfriend said she wanted me to see what the kids did. So we'll see. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Baby powder. Great. It's a mess to clean up. Better get in that corner, little man. Making this mess. I just love that mom, <laughs> poor mom, she's just sitting there defeated and like she's got the broom just thrown on the floor because I'm pretty sure like it started one place and then she uncovered more places. But life gets messy and tonight we got to talk about the mess in our life. We've all come across moments that have left us messy, decisions that we've made, choices that we've made, decisions that were made against uh, us that have led us to a place where we feel messy. And we're going to talk about this tonight because I believe that maybe some of you have been stuck for a long time, allowing a mess and a moment to define you, allowing a season of trauma to force you down a dark journey that you never wanted to go down. Some of you, as I get to unpack this idea this evening, I want to express it to you. We're going to be talking about trauma tonight. And this evening, I want you to know that you can have triumph after the trauma. Tonight, I want you to know that your life might be messy right now. And the mess never stays contained because a mess can multiply if it doesn't get cleaned up. Some of you, everything in your life started out beautiful and perfect, but all of a sudden, that beautiful place became a poison-saturated nightmare. Some of you are spotless and gorgeous on the outside. And I got to tell you, we are a good-looking church. If you are single, looking to mingle, be at Faith Assembly. We got preachers. We got witnesses. We can get you married. This is the place to be. Good-looking church. And some of you, all of you, looks beautiful and spotless and well put together on on the outside. But let me tell you something. Isn't it true that... Even though we're beautiful, even though as, and when Jesus was correcting the Pharisees, the people who were religious, the fake Christians, the fake believers, I should say, he said, you're a whitewashed tomb, but you're full of the dead. And isn't it true that some of us look beautiful and clean on the outside, but on the inside we are covered with bitterness and anger? And isn't it true also that eventually what's on the inside of us begins to spill to the outside? Some wounds cannot be seen in a mirror. 
And maybe you feel like you're stuck in a dark place with no way out. Maybe you feel lost tonight and you need help. I want you to know hope is here. There can be triumph after the trauma. The one who vindicates, the one who rights wrongs is in the room. Your undefeated conqueror and your undefeated and unconquered king, he's here in the room right here, right now. I want you to write this down. You don't have to stay where you stumbled. You don't have to stay where you stumbled. I no longer want to obsess about what left you broken. I want to obsess about what makes you whole. I want to share with you about how you can call on the name of the Lord and things can turn around. I've got good news for somebody tonight. Mercy, hope, transformation, joy, peace, and new beginnings. All of those things are found in the name of Jesus. He is the God that leaves the crowd just to find the one who wandered away. He's the God who abandoned perfection to be submerged in chaos so he can pull us into all that we were created to be. That God that we're talking about, that God whose presence we are assembled in, that God is in the room. And that God is running to the place, the messiest, darkest place of your life. Our God does not run away from the chaos. In fact, he plunged headfirst into the darkness to rescue you from traumatic moments that were determined to leave you broken for life. I want to talk to you about a traumatic moment in scripture, and it's found in John chapter 11. And I'm going to be sharing from a devotional translation, so we're going to be reading this story. But in John chapter 11, there's a particular story about a man that Jesus loved, and his name was Lazarus. The scripture has a special, unique title for this man named Lazarus, this man that Jesus loved. And the scripture says that they sent word that this man was sick, that he was dying. We don't know what disease was consuming him, but we knew that he was on his deathbed. So they send word to Jesus to come and pray for this sick man. And the scripture says that after a few days, Jesus finally decides to go to Lazarus's town. And we're going to kind of pick up the story. Are you ready for God's word tonight? The Bible says in John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 17. We're going to skip through this story because I know many of you are familiar with it. But let me just read this to you. And now when they arrived to Bethany, which seemed to be about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Mary said to Jesus, my Lord, if you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that you, that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it. Wow. That even now you can still do something. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone on the resurrection day at the end of, at the end of time. But Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. Watch what he says. I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. And anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Then she left and she hurried to find her sister Mary who had called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha had met him. The scripture says this, when Mary finally found Jesus, when Mary had finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet with tears and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Where did you bury him? Lord, come with me and we'll show you, they replied. Then the tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he has died, and now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you, you will see God unveil his power? So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and he prayed, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak now so that those stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to earth as a messenger. I will use the power you have given me. And then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. There in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had the grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet, covering his face. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. That's our key text for this evening. I want to share with you about the subject matter of trauma, but the title of this message is this, where have you buried him? Where have you buried him? You see, what I believe Jesus was doing in this particular moment was he was saying, where is the place that hurts the most? Where is the darkest thing that has ever happened to you? Where is he buried? Where, where is that thing that died? Where is that hope, that prayer that you thought went unanswered and would never be answered? Where have you laid him? A place A place where you were praying for something and it didn't go the way you thought it would. Where? And isn't it amazing that Jesus runs directly to the darkest, most painful moment? Our God is not afraid of the dark. Our God is not afraid of a mess. He plunged headfirst into the darkness to pull you into a sunrise. Where's the place where your relationship was irreplaceably, irreparably broken? A place where the words spoken over you in anger forced you into a place where you feel small, you feel weak, and you feel like you're insignificant. They buried Lazarus. You know why they buried Lazarus? Because you bury someone who's got no more stories to tell, no more songs to sing. No more memories to create. Lazarus died and they buried him. Why? Because his story was over. But how many of you know we worship the God of revival? <clears throat> we worship the God of revival. Oh, church, I want to express this idea to you. Revival has got to start in us first. Our God runs to the darkest place of your soul and says, I'm going to that spot to bring life and hope and peace. Are you with me so far? Have you declared that something is irreversible? Have you declared that a dream is impossibly out of reach? 
our God can do things that no one else can do. Tonight, I want to declare over you that this is going to be a new moment, a new moment that can define your life forever, that there is triumph after the trauma. God is here to introduce you into a brand new chapter, and someone has to start the process of healing in our generation. The chaos of our culture and the confusion is everywhere. Someone has to hold on to the rock of Jesus Christ and tell a world that is spiraling out of control. I'm not standing because I'm strong. I'm standing because he is strong. A new moment has to start. Church, I want revival in your schools. I want revival in your workplace. I want revival in downtown Orlando. But revival will not leave this place until it leaves inside of you. We are not called to attend revival. We are called to be in revival. And we worship the God who makes dead things live. He's the resurrection and he is the life. I want to let you know a new chapter is about to start. Some of you don't believe me. By the end of this message, you're going to believe me because God has a world for you to transform. But before he can do anything outside of this place, he's got to do something on the inside of you. If you're with me, say yes. We worship the God of revival. We need someone to stop the destruction in our homes, someone to stop the alcoholism, the drug abuse, the drug addiction, and the sexual confusion and brokenness. God wants to start revival in you. Hear me. No, no, but for real. No, he really does. He wants to start a new work in you. If trauma can be passed down from generation to generation, I believe revival can be passed down from generation to generation. Today is going to be a turning point, a defining hour, a moment that changes your family forever. Alcoholism has endured in your family forever. It's going to stop in your line right here, right now. Why can I boldly declare this? Because he's the resurrection and he is the life. I want you to write this down. I want you to keep it with you. We have all been changed by our past, but because of God, we no longer have to be chained to our past. We have all been changed by our past, but because of God, we no longer have to be chained to our past. How can you declare that? Don't you know my story? Don't you know what I've walked through? No, I don't, but I do know the God who can raise the dead to life. What does Paul write in Philippians? I know what it means to be in lack. This is a great verse. I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Is there a brokenness in your life that's trying to bury you? Is there an addiction that's gotten out of control that nobody knows about and you feel like you're about to go under the water? Here's a painful question, but it's a question that we have to ask. Are you ready? Say yes. Is there something that's true about you that you've been pretending not to know? Because eventually the things that we avoid have a habit of growing to a point where you can't avoid them no longer. We have to deal with the things that are trying to bury us. I remember hearing this true story about a multi-story building in New York City. And it was a fa fairly new building. And after about several years, one of the employees was walking, past a walking down a hallway and he observed this giant crack on the 42nd floor. So eventually he goes up the chain of command and the, the, um, the, the CEO gets word. So he says, well, I'm going to call the architect. This building is too young and too new to have a crack on the 42nd floor. So they called him. He shows up. They tell the CEO, he's here. So he goes, I'm going to go right down there to that crack. 
and I'm going to wait for this chump to come in here, and I'm going to go, hey, yo, what's up with this? What's wrong with you? And he waited by that crack on the 42nd floor, and he waited, and he waited. So then he starts yelling, I need to know where this architect is. Where is this kid? And all of a sudden, they said, sir, I believe we, we discovered where he is. Where is he? He's on the sixth level of the basement. So he's huffy and puffy, and he's about to blow the house down. And he walks down all the way to the sixth level of the basement. And as he walks up to the architect and goes, excuse me, um, the, the problem is on the 42nd floor. And the architect who constructed that building said, no, 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 no. You have a crack on the 42nd floor, but your problem is in the basement. And this is what he said. And they figured out what was going on. A security guard had run out of funds as he was expanding his home. And so what he was doing every single night was taking a chisel and a hammer to some bricks in the foundation. And he was chiseling them out one by one, placing one in his bag and taking it home so he can complete his home project. And after several months of removing and weakening the foundation, a crack appeared on the 42nd floor. See, the problem so often is that we don't know where our problem is. And we're dealing with downstream consequences and maybe we need to go upstream and see what is leading me towards this place of brokenness. Eventually, the things we avoid have a way of catching up with us. If we don't allow the healing to happen deep on the inside of us, we will let the brokenness out all over the place. If your heart and mindset are wounded, eventually, other things are gonna be wounded too. A mess has a way of multiplying if we don't clean it up. So often, we're dealing with the fruit of our problem instead of dealing with the root of our problem. When we're walking wounded, we distract ourselves with pleasure. And I gotta let you know something. So many of you are trying to fix what's broken on the outside. But the problem is not on the outside. No amount of romance, money, fame, or material possessions can heal you if you aren't healed on the inside. Happiness doesn't go away from getting rid of your problems. It goes away by solving them. Write this down. Outward blessings cannot fix inward brokenness. Outward blessings cannot fix inward brokenness. You keep thinking, I'll just get a new relationship. I'll just get a new job. I'll just go to a new city. I'll just start fresh in a new place. No, baby. Sometimes the monster under the bed is you. And until you fix me, I'm never going to fix we. Until I fix myself, I'm never going to help anybody else step into healing. Are you with me so far? We have to declare war on the things that are trying to destroy us and stop rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic while we keep ignoring the vessel sinking void within us. Oh, friends, I got good news. God is running to the place where you're hurt the most, that place where you said this is irreversibly lost, a place where you thought could never thrive again. I don't know what tied up a confusing mess you're in right now, but I want to let you know hope is here. It is time for a resurrection. Our Heavenly Father knows how to heal his children. Write this down. God can heal a broken heart, but he has to have all the broken pieces. Oh, friends, if you would take a moment and consider who you have access to. 
If you would pause for a moment, a moment of introspection, a moment of reflection, and ask yourself this question, who do I have permission to speak to? Who can I boldly approach? Oh, friends, do you know who you have access to? Say, suppose maybe you're sitting on your Amazon account and you've got a problem with Amazon and you're frustrated. You can't spend more money. You just need to do it. And you got to buy this thing. You saw it advertised. You got to buy it. There's a discount on Amazon. You got to do it. It's Cyber Monday's here. You got to spend the money on Amazon. And pretend your Amazon account is not working correctly. Would you be overwhelmed or freaked out if you could just dial and get a hold of Jeff Bezos and say, hey, man, can you? Can you hack into my account real quick? Can you fix what's wrong? Can you arrange the, the ones and zeros and fix this thing and give me a discount because 2020 made you a triple billionaire? And, and so like all these things, like can you take care of this, Bezos? Imagine you're driving down the road in your Tesla and it breaks down, but your dad's Elon Musk. You go, I'm not worried about this. You want to know why? Because the guy who is my father knows how to fix this thing that he made. Friends, do you know who you have access to? The one who made your life, you can worship him. The one who created you, you have access to. The moment you say the name of Jesus, he begins to run towards the place where you hurt the most. Where have you laid him? Where did you say this is over? Where did you say this marriage is hopeless? Let's bury it. Maybe God is saying, baby, there's a resurrection coming. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. God wants to set free. Have you ever had this moment where you carefully wrap your headphones and you place them in your pocket, and all of a sudden you pull them out, and they look like this. Have you ever had that happen? Say yes. You know what I'm pretty much convinced of? None of you have then said, let me just throw them away. They're worthless because they're a tangled, chaotic knot. No, you haven't thrown them away. You know what you do? And I don't even know how you do it. Maybe I need some engineer, some, some person who's got like a physics degree to explain the best way to untangle this knot. That's what I need after service. Actually, you know how you do it. I don't care. But listen, Urkel, I don't know. But here's what I want to tell you. I don't know how you undo the knot, but I know what you don't do. You don't throw it away because it's twisted up. You know why? Because the music still works. And if you plug it into the right source, the music's still going to flow. And I want to let you know the music in you still works. Don't throw you away because you're a tangled, confusing mess. Hand yourself to your maker, and he's going to show you how to unwind that thing and get it to do what it was created to do. Jesus is smart enough, kind enough, and loving and patient enough to untangle the mess that we are in. I need you to hear me, and I say this respectfully, and I really do say this with all sincerity and love. It may not be your fault for being broken, but it is your responsibility to step into your healing. Some of us feel lost. I'm going to give you a couple ways to get unlost. How to untangle the knot. Are you ready? Say yes. Number one, here it is. It's time for a resurrection. You got to start declaring life over your situation, over your marriage, over your future, over your health, over where you're growing. Are you with me? Allow God to speak new vision and hope over your life. God is declaring that he's not done with you yet. Don't give up. Every storm runs out of rain. Hope is here. With every act of obedience, with every prayer, asking help, accountability, we step further to coming out of a grave, stepping into brand new levels of freedom. Number two, here's number two, are you ready? Get honest about where you truly are, not where you wish you were. That hurts, I'm telling you right now. Get honest about where you truly are, okay? 
not where you wish you were. If I were to give you directions to some place that you are aspiring to go, you would need to know two things. Number one, where do you want to go? And number two, where are you for real? If I start giving you directions to a place that you're not actually at, my directions aren't going to help you. You have to start with exactly where you are, not where you wish you were. You got to get honest. Am I really addicted to this? Is this marriage really struggling right now? You got to get honest about where you are. You have to deal with you. Start where you truly are, like the headphones. It didn't become twisted like that instantaneously. We did not get into this mess overnight. Some of you have been enduring and ignoring a struggle for a long time. One unwise decision leads to another unwise decision. One moral compromise leads to more immorality. You know, every single one of you, especially you, especially me, we're really good at lying to ourselves. We justify, we excuse, we point out how everyone else is way worse than us. Isn't that true? You think I'm bad, pastor? You should see this fool. We are masters of self-deception. And one of the reasons why we keep falling down in life is because we keep tripping over everything we swept under the rug. It's okay to not be okay, but God is declaring that you don't have to stay that way forever. Write this down. Fire the liar. You got a liar in you. So do I. Fire that sucker. Start where you are and keep moving forward in your restoration journey. I need you to hear me. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, it won't happen overnight. But a year from now, you'll be wishing you had started from today. A year from now, you might be saying, I wish I would have started on that Wednesday night with that crazy Florida weather in Orlando. A year from now, don't wish you would have started your faith journey to recovery and restoration from your trauma on this day. I love what Earl Nightingale said. He said everything well. He said this, don't let the fear of time, we're gonna put this on the screen. Don't let the fear of time it will take to accomplish something stand in the way of your doing it. The time will pass anyway. We might just as well put that time, put that passing time to the best possible use. Paul said this in Galatians chapter six. He said, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Number three, are you ready? Say yes. Here it is. Number three is this, to getting unlost, to getting unstuck, to untangling the web. Are you ready? Take your next most practical step towards your healing. Look what I said, practical step. Not your most ambitious, hello? Your most practical. How many of you are ambitious in this room? Okay, good, we got some hands. Good, good, honest. How many of you are not ambitious? Right here. Yeah. You see, ambition gets you excited, but getting practical gets you there. If you don't make it realistic, you're gonna get discouraged when you don't see the change that you're reaching for. For example, January 1st, this is my year. This is the year, six-pack, baby, it's coming. <laughs> this is my year, 
I'm gonna get in the best shape of my life. January, how many of you are with me? How many of you are ambitious on January 1st? Especially because at Faith Assembly, we got the Daniel Fest. You're like, it's already built in my habit, yo. I can do it. Fruits and veggies, I can do it. We're really ambitious on January 1st. But then February 1st comes. And the grocery store has buy one, get one brownie mix. You start saying, well, maybe this year isn't my year. (laughs) Maybe next year. We set unrealistic next steps instead of the real ones. This is so good. This is the price for admission right here. You don't have to be, this is so good. I'm about, to, I'm about to preach to myself, lay hands on myself, fall down, catch myself. I'm about to donate to my ministry. Are you ready? Watch this, watch this. You don't have to be extreme. You just have to be consistent. You don't have to be extreme. January 1st, you're extreme. I'm running a marathon. February 1st, next year. <laughs> Are you with me? Because we're ambitious. Because the emotion gets raised up up inside of us. Or like, I can change the world. First, change you. I'm running a marathon. Have you walked to the mailbox lately? Let's start with that baby, baby steps. You don't have to be extreme. You just got to be consistent. Here are some practical steps that you can do today. Can I make this simple for you? Because I need to be simple for me. I'm just telling you right now. I'm a moon calf. I need it simple. Get ready. Here it is. Nick, if you'd come. Um, practical steps, practical. Are you ready? Here it is. Be in church as often as you can. The Bible says faith increases or comes by hearing and hearing God's word. You want your faith to grow? Be at faith assembly. Find a strong God-centered relationship that challenges you to get healthier in your spiritual journey. Take advantage of every care group that Faith Assembly offers. On the screen behind me, we're going to have a list of care groups that you can start taking within the next couple weeks. Again, not ambitious step. You're most practical. You know what? I've observed that if you won't take your first step, you're not going to take your second one. You don't have to be extreme. Just be consistent. I don't know when that knot comes out of the headphones, but I do know this, that if you keep working on it, Little by little, things begin to change. On the screen right here, we have God in the 12 steps, mending the scar, grief share, divorce care, healing after a loved one's suicide. We've got so many of these resources right within your reach. Take advantage of them. Can I give you another practical thing? Those will be on the screen, and we're going to post those on social media. We already did. But go, take this class. Take this. Listen, the time's going to pass anyway. Why not have fruit to show for it? Guard your mind. Set a limit for social media. You don't need 16 hours of social media. I'll tell you the truth right now. None of you are better for looking at social media. I am, Pastor, I promise. You're a liar, okay? You're stressed out. You're full of anxiety. You're like, the world's falling apart. I don't know who's going to kill us. Putin, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. The election is coming. I mean, get off social media for the love. Somebody needs to say amen right there. Get off social media. You don't need it. Yes, I do. I have to be informed. No, you don't. The world is broken. It needs Jesus. There you go. You're informed. 
Fulfill your civic duty. I believe in that. God bless America. But let me tell you something. Follow Jesus. Let him do a deep work in you so he can do a work through you. Limit your social media. Your phone already can set a limit on your social media. You don't need 16 hours a day. Some of you are like, I'm depressed. No, you're on, social, you're on Facebook for 14 hours a day. Change it. Limit your po- political news. Limit the talk radio. Go to counseling. Seek professional help. Allow a godly leader to point out your blind spots. I don't have blind spots, Pastor. I'm a man of God. I don't have blind spots, Pastor. I am a woman of the faith assembly. Baby, you got blind spots. And you need somebody who loves you, who is wiser than you, who can say, hey, baby, you keep doing that. No, I don't. Really? And receive that. The Bible says the wise want and long for and receive correction. You got blind spots. This is a great quote. You can't read the label when you're sitting inside the jar. You feel so mixed up and crazy in your own little world. You need somebody that you trust to step on the outside of you and go, oh, you know what it is? 16 hours of Facebook. You've been flirting with that receptionist at work for two weeks. You've been looking at porn for 17 years and you don't think it's going to hurt you. Well, you can't get real like that. Yes, you can. The time's going to pass anyway. Step into your healing. We need someone to show us the toxic things that get mixed up on the inside of us that need to be removed. Start applying these to your life. Stop looking for silver bullets. God's given you an arsenal of ways that you can have victory. I don't know how many twists and turns are required to unwind this mess, but if you keep allowing Jesus to heal you today, things will become a little clearer tomorrow. Our world needs restoration. Our world needs revival, but we will not see revival out there until we get revival in here. People come up to me all the time and go, we need prayer back in schools. We need prayer back in church. We need, we need this room to be filled on those Wednesday night prayers. It's, I'll tell you right now, Faith Assembly knows how to pray. But we need to continue to bust the walls off this place on a prayer night. Are you with me? Where have you laid him? Where did you say this thing could never come back? Where did you say it's over? No, God's saying, baby girl, I'm about to breathe life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Life is coming. Life is coming. Life is coming. I don't know when you'll see the change. You don't have to be extreme. You just have to be consistent. Can you be consistent? Can you start going to a connect group once a month? Can you start going to a grow class? Can you commit to being here every single Wednesday and deepening your faith? Can you limit social media? Of course you can. You can't make it that practical because then I might do it. Yes. If you want to change your world, you got to allow God to change you. I heard this story about this dad whose little boy kept bothering him. And the dad was a good dad, so it's not that story, but... But this dad was a good father and his son kept coming in to his office at home and, and the dad was like, son, I got to finish this project. I'm sorry, I just got to. So he said, go clean your room. Go check on mom. Go wash the car. And the little boy would pop back into the room over and over again. 
And then finally the dad goes frustrated. He goes, okay, I got an assignment for you. And so what he does is he opens up a newspaper like this and on the newspaper was a photograph of the world. And the dad said, oh, I got an assignment for you. This is what I want you to do. He knew his son didn't know where the countries were. He didn't know where the oceans were. He said, son, I've made you a puzzle. Go into your room and fix it. Two minutes later, done. He's like, there's no way. Now, he ripped it up way more than this, but there's no way you're done. He goes, I am. He goes, show me. And he goes into the little boy's bedroom. And sure enough, right there. Oh, goodness, I hope I can do this. Sure enough, that little boy had put together the world. Let me see if I can do this. Come on. Oh, that piece doesn't go here. Oh, this is a great illustration. This is, this is awesome. I should have done something else. Oh, Father, help me. In the name of Jesus. All right, here we go. I got it. Here we go. You guys got to support me, all right? I need all the love I can get. All right, hold on. Here we go. That one here. All right, hold on. This one. Oh, wait. Yep. Yep, got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed this illustration, Jason. Good preaching, brother Jason. John Max will be so proud. And then, Okay, here we go. Watch, 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 watch. And there it was on the floor, perfectly put together, kind of. It's like, that's pretty good. Wow, you did it, actually. I don't know how you did that. And he says, how did you put it together? And he goes, it was easy, Dad. I flipped over the pieces. And on the back of that broken world was an image of a man. And so, Daddy, I just said to myself, you know what? If I put the man back together, put the world together. I'm going to fix my world if I start fixing me. I'm going to heal my neighborhood if I allow God to do a deep work in me. Where have you laid him? Where are you hurting the most? God's not running away from the darkness. He's running right to it. Would you close your eyes with me all across this room? I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.